You're listening to the Saluki Gamescast. This is episode 56 for Friday, September 29th, 2023. My name is Justin Young. Joining me as usual are Alicia Utech and Mario Sanders. OJ Duncan is out on assignment, and he's actually just playing hooky so he can play more video games. <laughs> we all know what you're doing, OJ. We Needs see to right find more it. glitches in Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've assigned them to do, and they are taking up the task. OJ is making fan art of (laughs) the Switch version uh, in particular. So, you know, just a lot of, like, loose clay. Just (laughs) (laughs) no going back and adding details. Just very, like, abstract shapes uh, approximating (laughs) characters in the Mortal Kombat canon. Blob of paint that fades in and out is the most intense thing that is in this fan art (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, i guess you could even say that the fan art is full of chaos with a k one could say that (laughs) (laughs) chaos um all right so alicia mario how have you been it's it's been an okay week uh yeah can't really say anything other than that it's been an okay week yeah I, I feel like I should be stressed. I feel like I sh- have a lot to do, but I'm weirdly not. And I don't know if that's because I've just like hit hit the point of tipping over stress where I can't be any more stressed or if I'm genuinely calm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you sound very confused about that. <laughs> I, I, I'm just rolling with it, Justin. <laughs> that's all I can do. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's been a a pretty good week. Nothing too extraordinarily like crazy going on this week. Um, I, I have like two or three purchases that I've made. Um, one, that's a very big thing being delivered to my house. Um, and like every time I order something, I know something's going to come up and like immediately in the next week, I'm going to have to leave town. (laughs) <laughs> and then that starts making me nervous because I'm like, oh, no, this big thing's going to get delivered. And is it going to I, I don't even worry as much about somebody stealing it as I worry, like, it's going to get rained on. There's yeah. going to be like raccoons mm. out there <laughs> building nests <laughs> inside this box. And uh, so then every time I go to order something, I'm like, OK, think about it. Like, is there any possibility you're going to have to leave town in the next week? And. I know that sounds like so paranoid and it's, it'd be very easy. I have friendly neighbors I could ask to come over and check for packages and that sort of thing. But it's just one of those things where I, I hate to make anybody else responsible for my stuff when yeah. I'm out of town. And uh, so I just start thinking about those sorts of things and worrying about them. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just have to bite the bullet, pull the trigger, make the order. And then I know immediately as soon as I do, I'm going to get a phone call. So, um, all right, let's jump into what you've been playing. Alicia, what have you been playing? So I finally beat the Teal Mask DLC for Pokemon Violet. Which you told us was a little bit shorter than you were expecting. Yeah, I think by the time I added in like the side quests and that, I think I was on, on point with saying I was about a third of the way done last time, but... In terms of story, I was definitely closer to halfway done last mm-hmm. time. Um, I'm still I'm still really happy with it. I still think that 
I'm trying to think of how I had I had it in my head how I was going to say this without spoilers, and then it flew out of my brain. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say how, but there's a character who is set up where I'm hopeful that we get to see some really intense step beyond rivalry tentatively villain, maybe, in part two. That was going to be my question. Is there is there an expected part two DLC? Yeah, part okay. two comes out in December, I think. So, And there are only two for this one. I know they did three for Sword and Shield. Are there only two announced for this one at least? I'll say so far they've okay. only announced two. I hope it stays only two because these are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do understand, you know, now that I've finished it, I've been watching other people playing it and, you know, a lot of people are kind of frustrated with how little new content there actually is. Like it's about four hours of gameplay and I'm like, yeah, I, I get that, but. And how much is the DLC? Um, I think now it's 35. Okay, I think, yeah, I think usually they're 30, but 35 yeah. probably. I'll say I think I think when I got it because I bought both mm. in a bundle, so I think I got both for sixty. Mm. But I think buying it individually now is thirty-five. Mm. Thirty-five for four hours—that is pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. So like, I definitely, I definitely see that. I think, and the the other thing that I I see that it is a very valid complaint is you know okay, it's fun to have these old Pokemon back, you know especially a lot of Johto Pokemon who we haven't seen in a long time. But there's really only, like, five new Pokemon in the DLC. It's like, yeah, I I, I get that frustration. Because that, that is something that... Okay, you know, you want to go around and complete the Kitakami Pokedex, but half of it's already done because it's the same Pokemon that were already in Paldea. Right. And then a lot of them, you know, like I said before, you're catching a level 65 Bellsprout. You only have to level it up once for it to evolve <laughs> and to keep that going. So I I do understand the frustrations with it, and I still enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. I mean, you know, $35 or $30, let's say, for four hours, you know, a little over $10 uh, or a little under ten dollars an hour, right? Um, you know that's that's not a terrible like entertainment value when you like sort of think of it and everything, particularly if you're really enjoying it. But I guess the problem becomes right like if you really enjoy it, it's not that bad of a value proposition. If you're not really enjoying it, all of a sudden it becomes a terrible value proposition. Well, I think I'm just finding a lot like like for me, I you know how much I love the story in Gen 9. I mm-hmm. think that it's the strongest story that the Pokemon games have ever had, and I think that this does continue that. But a lot of people don't care about the story, and so I think those are really the people who are very frust- who are very frustrated with the DLC because it is very story-driven. The DLC is really story-driven? Yeah. Okay. It's it's very invested in developing these new characters, you know, telling you the legend of 
the loyal three and the ogre getting getting you invested in Kitakami the the history of the region the history of these characters and their families can I ask what is somebody coming to Pokemon DLC for if not the story is it that they expect there to be a, a ton new Pokemon added that they can catch I would I would think they would expect more of a balance of new Pokemon and old Pokemon what I was going to ask is there like a gimmick to this DLC because I feel like at least for Sword and Shield, what I remember is like one of the things that people were really excited about. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but like they they had the endless Dynamax in one of the DLCs. So I think about like there's some like new gimmick gameplay mm-hmm. gimmick, or they had like the yeah. battle tower yeah. thing for whatever that bear Ursa not Ursaluna. Mm. No, no, the fight bear. Oh yeah, Kubfu or. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Out of context, that that whole exchange, the fight bear, <laughs> it just sounds so ridiculous. But carry anyway, on. There's like a, a karate bear. And, yeah, I know what Pokemon you're talking and, about. I never um, did that. No, part, I was right. It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> um, and what? And like, the, is that Kung Fu Panda? Basically, <laughs> um, and you. Uh, you like went through like the bat, like all these different towers, uh, to get it, and you got to choose like its typing or something like that, right? Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not as big of a Pokemon fan as I put on, but uh, <laughs> it, you know, it it really doesn't. You know a lot more than I do. <laughs> Who knew Jack Black was a Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> he did Pokemon before Bowser. <laughs> um. Yeah, it does have a mini game that you can play, and so you know one of the gimmick things for Scarlet and Violet was that you could do, you could have online play your friends like come and explore with you mm. in your and so it do, having friends do that does make the mini, that particular mini game easier. Is it unique in any particular way? Like. Mm. Well, I guess what I mean by that, and I maybe didn't hear everything you just said. So friends can join you in your game. Yep. Is your game different in any meaningful way from what theirs is? And what's coming to mind would be like when the Switch Animal Crossing came out, people oh, were like yeah. visiting different people's islands actually meant something because those islands were different or they had they offered different things and so. Yeah, Does Pokemon really. do anything like their specific Pokemon and specific games? Or? I mean, you know, the, there's always version exclusives. Sure. So if you're a Violet player going into your friend's Scarlet game, that's a good way to get the version exclusives. And mm-hmm. there is uh, Finizen only evolves if you level it up while you have an, uh, another friend there in the, your game. This is a Pokemon? Yeah, this okay. is a new Gen 9 Pokemon. Okay. Um, but yeah, the DLC doesn't really add any new gimmick. I think people are hoping for something, something closer to like the Eternal Dynamax mm-hmm. has as far as Terra raids and getting Terra crystals goes. I think people are hoping that something like that will come along in part two, but they're also very disappointed that it didn't come along in part one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, DLC is so difficult from my perspective because most of the time when I finish playing a game, I'm done with that game. 
And even if they release DLC and it's a game I really like, the odds of me going back and ever playing DLC for that game are pretty minimal because I've moved on to some other game, right? I'm out of kind of the mindset of mm-hmm. whatever that game was at the time. So like um, Breath, of, uh, Breath of the Wild, Zelda Breath of the Wild had DLC. I've never played that DLC because yeah. it came out so late after I had already finished that game. Mm-hmm. And as much as I like that game, I just was never going to go back and play that. And so I feel like there's a certain audience that's me that you're never going to get back. And then there's that certain audience, as you talked about, that is looking for something entirely different out of a DLC. And then there's that very, you know, maybe not particularly narrow, but there is a it is narrower, certainly, right? Um, uh, part of the audience, which is you, who wants exactly what this DLC is. Yeah. And, and I will say, with. too, like, the fact that I, I think if I had sat and played four hours straight and sure. r- gone mm-hmm. through the whole thing, I would have been less satisfied. Whereas the fact that I did break it up and take some time, you know, do, you know, I got through the whole main story and then I did that side quest and then I did this side quest. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that. The constraints of grad school, meaning I can't sit and play Switch for seven hours a day. <laughs> I mean, you could. You just wouldn't pass your classes. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't end well. <laughs> um, but and I would and be in similar. some meeting where somebody was talking about, well, we have one grad student that we're having trouble with, and <laughs> I would wince up at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm very similar where, like, if, if it's not – a game that I really care about, like, like I was done with Pokemon Violet for the most part, you know, I opened it up occasionally, but like, I don't do shiny hunting. I don't do any of that. I did finally get my first non-guaranteed shiny because the red Gyarados doesn't count, but Mm. I did finally get my first shiny in the wild after 20 plus years of playing these games. So I am very happy with that. (laughs) Well, congratulations. Thank you. But, so, yeah, I definitely, I definitely had not put in Pokemon Violet in a couple of months until the DLC came out. And now that I've beaten it, I'm probably not going to play it again until part two comes out. <laughs> right. Is there a release period for that? I think early December. That's what I wanted to say, so that is yeah. probably right. So prob- probably over winter break, I'll be... Because early December is going to be busy. Sure. But. Well, I mean, December seems like a good time to release something like that. For, you know, as you say, for Christmas break when you yeah. know, a lot of people do have some time down where they could actually play through something like that. Um, all right. Well, cool. I, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And, you know, if other people don't, that's fine. Like, that's. Yeah. And I don't think anyone. Subjective. And I don't think anyone despises it right they just don't like it (laughs) they're not mad they're disappointed exactly (laughs) (laughs) good good job referencing the conversations (laughs) that the audience did here (laughs) we like our inside jokes particularly if they're ones that our audience has no way of knowing (laughs) um all right anything else yeah, um, so one of the quests, one of the side quests is very much a 
reference referencing and throwing back to Pokemon Legends Arceus. So, of course, once I finished the Violet Post game, I was like, well, I'm still in a Pokemon mood. So, I pulled out Legends Arceus, which was honestly really great because, like, when I, when I first got the game, I was still dating my ex at that time, and so when we played it together, it was really, he was playing, and then, like, we were, you know, doing voice acting with it and whatever, but I was mostly Googling hints. <laughs> and so when we broke up, it was very, it was a game that I put away and, like, I couldn't look at, I couldn't deal with. And so this is the first time that I've taken it out and actually played it. Mm-hmm. And... Man, it's so good. It's so good. And you can really tell that it's two different teams working on the Legends game versus working on Gen 9 just when you look at the everything from the the art style to the way that the game is to every every NPC has a name. Mm-hmm. And just every NPC you you can interact with. Whereas Scarlet and Violet are much, even a even a decrease from Gen Eight, where you walk by and they get little pop up speech bubbles, but you can't interact with half of them, you know. And even the DLC, there are three other students from your academy who come with you on this field trip to Kitakami, and they don't get names. They don't get anything distinct about them whatsoever. Right. <laughs> it seems like Arceus was. Much more interested in world building. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly interested in lore building, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so, like, as a story nerd, I'm I'm really, I'm really enjoying that aspect as well as kind of the rec- reclaiming it for myself of, like, because when, when we were dating, I was using his Switch. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have one. And so when we broke up, I was like, okay, I'm I'm returning your Switch, but I'm keeping the games that I bought. <laughs> I'm buying myself a Switch, and I'm keeping the games that I bought. And so be, being able to just, like, take it out and play it again and play it for myself without feeling like I'm going back to a place of being devastated post-breakup is really nice. You know, I... Um I'm not much of a Taylor Swift fan, but I hear she has a song. Uh, I'm get, I'm returning your Switch, but I'm keeping the games I bought. <laughs> so um, she could. She could put that song out tomorrow, and it would be like a number one radio hit. Billion streams on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the title would be shorter. The title is like a Fallout Boy title. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, fair enough. Uh, I'm returning your Switch. Yeah. I was going to say it. It's got to have... Keeping the like, games. Yeah. Arceus. It, my Arceus now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like the Taylor Swift song would be called Keeping the Games. Yeah. Could, yeah. Yeah, because... Fair. Because it works on two levels. Yeah, <laughs> okay, like, don't, don't get too she, mean to my girl here. <laughs> she loves her Easter eggs, apparently. That she does. My favorite meme was uh, she had something where you had to uh, solve a puzzle on Google, and it was, and when uh, so many people, five thousand people, had solved this puzzle, she was going to announce the release date for her next uh, remake album, and somebody had posted, 
we're all so lucky that she became a big music star and didn't uh, pursue her career as a serial killer. <laughs> and then somebody responded and they said, Taylor Swift is so close to Jigsaw, isn't she? <laughs> oh, man. And, oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> Taylor Swift would be a good gender-bent Riddler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were talking about her to play Dazzler in, uh, uh, in Deadpool 3. I but, would be down for that. But I think, you know, I think gender swap Riddler is even, like, more fun <laughs> and everything. And we could actually get Riddler instead of this version that they said was Riddler in the Robert Pattinson film oh, okay. that wasn't really. Yeah. I say Riddler was in a Batman movie recently. The last Riddler I know of was Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah. No, the... The Robert Pattinson one's the first time since Jim Carrey. Okay. And that character is not Riddler. He's which one? Jim Carrey or this new one? The new one. Okay. Neither really, but (laughs) (laughs) Jim Jim Carrey's closer. I'll say at least Jim Carrey still brings the fun to it. Like Riddler's whole thing is just that he's a smug little brat sometimes. (laughs) And like this the new one's just not... He's the Zodiac killer. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe too, a little too serious. Way too serious. Mm. Way too... Way too... Edgy the hedgy. I see. <laughs> it, it's the worst part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually think that's a pretty good take on Batman overall. Yeah. I. But, like, he's, like, really bad. He's... Yeah, I feel like I, I have not seen it, but I feel like I heard generally positive things about that movie. It was a pretty good movie. It was about half an hour too long, and a lot of it was yeah. because of him. That is also what I've heard, is that it's a little too long. Yeah, but... I would say that about most comic book movies. Fair. Most comic book movies are a little too long. I think they're tr- they're moving in that direction. I think earlier ones weren't, but... There's some rumor that um, the Marvels coming out uh, at Thanksgiving is going to be the shortest movie Marvel has ever made. And people online are flipping out about it. And I'm like, no, that's actually probably a good thing. Like make it a, a tight, like fun adventure movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I know like, that I, we, we, I mean, I gave Alicia a hard time. I would say that, you know, we did I'll I'll take ownership of it. You know, you had made talked about there being a 500 hour Lord of the Rings game. But I, you know, just thinking about like the length of games, and we talked about it with the DLC of you know four hours for thirty bucks. I'm really glad that it seems like games have seemingly adopted of like, okay, if we can make this to be like a fifteen hour experience, mm-hmm. that's good. Like I don't need these sixty hour just to get the storyline. That's fine every once in a while. I know, like, and yeah. especially if that's been your thing, like the Persona games, you keep doing your your thing, but like. You know, I, I feel like the, the, the example I really appreciated was 2018 God of War. I haven't played Ragnarok, but God of War 2018 was like, this is about the length that I'm willing to commit to a game. When you're asking right. for a lot more than that, that's when I'm like, mm, you might get like halfway. You might get like halfway played. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. Like if, if it's a game that's a st- like Final Fantasy, I expect to be. Sure. But like Pokemon, as mu- I, I love Pokemon to death. I wouldn't want to play a, a 75-hour Pokemon game. <laughs> yeah, I think generally that's true. I think the one area where it's not been true is with a lot of, as Alicia's knowing, some role-playing games. Yeah. 
Whereas, like, you go back to 16-bit role-playing games, they were 40 hours or less Mm -hmm. to play through them, Um, you know, often down more like around 20 to 30 hours. And now you're seeing a lot of role-playing games where people are like, yeah, you know, I'm 90 hours in, and it's just opening up. And I'm like, like, I mean, if I was 12 and I had unlimited time to just play a video game, great. But, like, I don't. And so that just makes that instantly turns me off from a game. Yeah. Because well, I'm probably never going to finish that game. Yeah. So, a group of friends, we would do blind RPG races where we would just race through the, the entire game. And there are just certain games where it's like, no, you can't, you can't touch that because it's way too long. And so it's like the Paper Mario is like, they're long, but you can get through them in a right. you know, reasonable amount of time. Or, um, What's another one that we did with, that was good? I, I know a game that OJ really likes is uh, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, which was meant to be a little bit shorter, meant to be more accessible, I think, particularly for a Western audience. Right. So it's like, I I appreciate that. I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like game developers have realized we don't need more is not always better yeah. in a sense, like a tight yeah. story. And I, to, to, to bring it back to you know the, the, the Marvel's film. Yeah, I think if you can tell a tight story. Like that's what people want. You don't need all of these intricate moving parts. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a big movie buff, but I sometimes think that movies should be shorter. Yeah. I I think most, as I tell people, most media is better if you trim the fat Mm -hmm. and most, all the best Disney movies are under an hour 20. Yeah. I mean, all their animated films used to be 80 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you know, you start getting animated movies that are over two hours long, and you're like, eh, maybe some of them need this, but do they really need this? Mm-hmm. Well, and you start getting ones that are... Harry Potter needed to do part one and part two of the last book, but it started a trend that yeah, everybody's yeah. got to do part one yeah. and part two, and I'm so All the way that. fiction adaptations suddenly mm-hmm. went to two parts. That's what it was like. I remember um, you when I first saw the trailer for it, that the newest Mission Impossible was going to yeah. be part one. Right. I was like, really? Mission Mission Impossible is now getting the part one? And I saw it, and I like it. I mean, those are usually, like, mindless fun. I, I enjoy those those kinds of movies for the most part, and I thought it did a good job. But I was like, I feel like you don't need to call this part one. Just call it its own movie. Yeah. And you right. say, like, you know, this same, this same villain might return for another story. But, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I and yeah, that's how I felt with that's honestly how I felt too with Across the Spider Verse. Like, I know they changed the marketing to not have it be part one, part two, mm-hmm. but when they first start, or they were like right. part one. I'm like, can we just have a complete movie? Like, you can end a complete movie on a cliffhanger. Yeah, you can have a villain return in a, another movie, but you can have a complete movie and then another complete movie. <laughs> It doesn't have to be part one, part two. <laughs> Credit to Marvel, they they actually did that because Infinity War was originally supposed to be part one and part two, and then they were like, no, this is just Infinity War, and then we're going to have Endgame. I'm so glad they did. And those movies really do feel like mm-hmm. separate chapters. Yeah. Right? Like I mean, It's a complete movie, and right. then there's a sequel. <laughs> that's how it works. You don't need part one, part two. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's generally true, um, and you know, I think, you know, I think shorter, and I think, you know, not making things multi-parted makes a whole lot of sense. 
Um, I mean, it's not like, you know, the only reason I could imagine doing that is if there's some sort of accounting trick studios are doing where they're like, no, these aren't separate movies. This is part one and part two. So we don't have to pay you as much. Yeah, maybe. Or thinking about like if it's all filmed at the same time type of thing. Well, I mean, I even get over contracts maybe. Yeah, I mean. I oh, even yeah. get that. They did that with the Lord of the Rings, right? Say Lord sure. of the Rings was all back to back. I mean, they filmed at but least the, but parts those were, of it. you know, they they didn't say Fellowship of the Ring part 1, right. you know. <laughs> As they did with the Hobbit, right? Uh, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen those movies and I The Hobbit is a really good example of they didn't trim the fat. Instead, yeah. they they like loaded but it up all with of extra the fat. fat. Well, and they went Originally, the Hobbit movies, it was going to be two movies. And, like, that would have even been fine, I think, because because of the the things they added to the first movie being so good. If they would have just kept it two movies, I would have been fine. But trying to make it three, deciding that Legolas needed a story instead of just a cameo, like, just, uh, uh That's a five-hour rant from me. I rant about those <laughs> movies longer than those movies are. Yeah, I tried I tried rewatching the first one and I think I just wasn't like in I think I was like I don't want to watch 3 of these cuz I don't feel yeah. like I can just watch one the first one. Yeah. Um but anyways. I, I don't like the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. And I like the Hobbit book and I don't like the movies just because I think they're bad movies. Mm. And I actually really like the Lord of the Rings movies. I think they're really yeah. good despite the compromises they make. I know that makes some people mad. I'm well, like they're good for adaptations. They're say, about as good as you're going to get. I'll say the the Lord of the Rings movies, I think. I think the, we had the, this conversation last episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say I, I, I have some issues, but overall I understand the logic of 98% of what Peter Jackson had to cut and the decisions that he had to make with the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. The Hobbit movies, no. <laughs> Just no. All right, we'll move on before we get too <laughs> mired into Lord of the Rings discussion. This isn't the Rings cast. Yeah, sorry to completely detract from Arceus talk. Um, is that everything, Alicia? Yeah, that's. I'm on Arceus right now. I think that'll satisfy. You know, money's a little tight, so I'm not buying any new sixty or seventy dollar yeah. games. But Arceus is going to fit fill that itch right now it's a great game and there's a lot to do with it so if, if you had to have one game to do that with it's a good one yeah yeah and we get the deal the sonic frontiers dlc came out today so i have that too but i haven't i haven't played that yet i'll probably play that mario what are you laughing at i just remember the conversation we had whenever i talked about it a couple of weeks ago about playing it over the summer and alicia's like well, you'll get to go back to it. like, no. Nope. And, and that's why I was laughing earlier when you were talking about, you know, games come out with a DLC and I'll never go back to it. Like, that's Sonic for me. It was a fun game. I had a good time with it. I won't, that game will probably never be put back into the PlayStation 5. Sad. Unless there's like somebody else who's like never played it and wants to play it. But that's, I will not be playing it. Well, Mario, <laughs> why don't you tell us what you are playing? Uh, so this week, you know, as I said, my friends, well, games event is still going on. So the two that I played and mostly beat um, are Mega Man 6 and Rock and Roll Racing. Um, I was hanging out on the stream for a little bit when you were doing Mega Man 6. Oh, okay. Um, 
that's the first I well, I keep saying it's the first Mega Man game I've ever played. It's not technically true. The first Mega Man game I ever played was Mega Man 64, but I think there are Mega Man fans who would probably be upset if I said that that was the <laughs> my my experience or that's that's the bar or the standard of Mega Man that I that I have. I, I think there's going to be a lot of Mega Man fans who are mad that your experience is Mega Man 64 and Mega Man 6. <laughs> Yeah, you know. There's going to be a lot of us who are mad that you just reminded us that Mega Man 64 existed. Well, Ryan, if you're listening, you know, send positive emails about Mega Man Legends. There yeah. Go. Ryan's a, a big fan of Mega Man Legends. <laughs> um, so what do you think of Mega Man 6? Since you, I mean, it is an actual Mega Man game, a more traditional, I guess it, we should say. Yeah, it um, it was good. You know, it took a while to, like, get the hang of it, just not having the familiarity and so getting used to the movement. So, you know, I think the first Robot Master took me quite a while. And I think also just because you only have the buster for the first one right. before you can, like, get the chain of all their weaknesses. But, um, yeah, so the first two levels probably took me as long as, like, the rest of the game did, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest. But, yeah, I had fun with it. You know, that same friend in the event last year had Mega Man X, and I think that's, like, his favorite game of all time. Mm. Um, so it's one that I, I would like to go back to because I didn't get to that one last year. Um, and I know that that one is... I think that game came out fairly shortly after Mega Man 6 did because Mega Man yeah. 6 is the last one on the original Nintendo. Right. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I had a, a good time. And so we were talking about it afterwards, and he was like, it's a very different game, X is, uh, than like the sort of mainlines. There's obviously a lot of overlap, but I guess they play very differently yeah. is what, you know, you sort of got at with things that you can do. But um, yeah, overall, I had a good time. I think I, I think X is a lot more like the mainline series than, mm -hmm. say, 64. Is. Oh, of course. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, he he will... He begrudgingly recognizes Mega Man 64 as a Mega Man game. <laughs> he talks about how disappointed he was. He's like, oh, 3D Mega Man. And it was not what he was hoping for as a child. Yeah. Um, it's not the game that you expect it to be. Sure. So I get that. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the beginning, because I was struggling so much with it, I was like, oh, maybe this just like isn't for me. You know, there are some types of games that just aren't for certain people they just don't click and i was like eh, it's possible you know this game is 30 30 years old it uh, you know it's 99 1993 is when that game came out right um and so uh i was like um it's just i missed the boat on mega man <laughs> um but by the end of it you know as i had gotten more of the hang of it i i guess that i i enjoyed it i would recommend going back and playing two and three yeah those are the i feel like two is the one that yeah. you know is the big one that people I think if you talk to just, most Mega just, Man fans, they'll say it's two or three is their favorite. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for me, it's three, though I get why people say two. Mm -hmm. Just know, if you play two, you you have to get the Leaf Shield in order to beat Air Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you ever heard, I cannot defeat Air Man? No. Okay, I'm going to send it to our group chat later, because <laughs> it is iconic. Is two the one where you get the snake gun? No, that's is Snake Man three. Snake Man it might be three. Okay, I don't know. I just I always think that's really funny that you just have 
the uh, buster that shoots out snakes. I always forget like where which one is yeah. which. Yeah, uh, yeah. which one has which bosses. If you asked me five years ago, I could have told you every single one, but now I'm like, I remember who's I remember who's in one and two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're just you know those first those first three games are all really great. I think one is harder to go back to. Mm-hmm. Two and three just have so many improvements over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as, as those games went on, I think they, you know, a lot of people kind of switched over and start playing the X series mm-hmm. instead. And Mega Man X is a is a very good game. Yeah, just, there's a what eleven in the mainline series. I think there. I don't know how many X's so. there are. Uh, yeah, I think there's at least six. In the I X think series. X. I think, yeah. Either there is six, and we're waiting for X seven, or there's seven, and we're waiting for eight. I know that the last X game ended on a cliffhanger, mm. and yeah, it's like been years. So twenty do, years. Do, do, be, do be aware of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but um, so so this is a friend that I've I've made through through streaming, and he was doing what he, like a little series that he was calling Mega Man Day. Was so he was every Monday he was playing. A Mega Man game as he went through all of them, and I think it's like there are a lot of Mega Man games when yeah. you include all of the spinoffs of like the Battle Networks, and there were right. like the RPGs yeah. on the GameCube and Mega Man Soccer. Have you uh, ever seen that image online? It's, I feel like it's circulated quite a few times where somebody has a picture of every Mega Man game mm-hmm. and it's just filling an entire room. <laughs> and, like, you don't realize how many Mega Man games exist. Like, I don't even think about it because I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, like, I don't know, 10 Mega Man games and six Mega Man X games. And then, like, you start seeing this and it, you're right. It's all these, like... Here's the Game Boy version, which is an entirely different game. And here's this game. And you're like, oh, my God, there's like 150 Mega Man games. <laughs> there are a lot. I don't remember. I want to say it was, I was going to say 60-something, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah. There's There are a lot. There are so many. But I'm glad to have had the experience. I mean, like, it's a classic franchise, classic character. Um, you know, that's one a while back when I'm, I'm sure had to have been brought up at some point for the Mount Rushmore conversation that. Yeah, y'all had. Um, <laughs> yeah, at least I'd like to think he <laughs> he was. We can we can pretend like he was if he wasn't. No, I I um, feel like he was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Because yeah, I know he didn't. Because yeah. that I, conversation, I was just laughing. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mega Man is how I got into watching Let's Plays on YouTube. Because mm. my sister and I found um, there's a Japanese artist. Song, you know, musician oh, okay. Hyadane, and we found his songs for the Mega Man Two, Mega Man Two Robot Masters, and then from there we found we found Rome Mithril mm. playing mm-hmm. Mega Man, and like you know, this was thirteen years ago, and so our mom was like, "Why are you Why are you watching people play games <laughs> instead of just playing them yourself?" And we're like, "Cause we don't own them, Mom." <laughs> Oh, mom, you just wait. <laughs> Why are you talking about video games on a podcast instead of playing them? <laughs> it's going to get so much worse, mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm glad to have had the experience. And then rock and roll racing was the other one. You, I have made my feelings about racing games pretty clear. Honestly, it's not too bad, though. 
it's and it feels like it should be a lot worse because it has an isometric camera which does add some jank in terms of like perspective in terms of like it feels like when you're looking at it you should turn left but you actually need to turn right and it also means like do i need to hold left to, to go this way or do i need to hold right you're in so, cars cars rules <laughs> Remember that in the car, the Pixar Cars oh, movie? Sure. Turn left to go right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, it feels like it should play a lot worse than it does. Uh, I think I think particularly because of the isometric perspective. But honestly, it's it's not that bad. Um, Have you never played RC Pro Am? No. Get Rock and Roll Racing's name out of your mouth. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm just teasing you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so that game is sort of like a spiritual sequel to RC Pro-Am. Okay. Um, RC Pro-Am is for the NES mm-hmm. and um, was like a widely beloved racing game mm. um, at that time and everything. And so then Rock and Roll Racing comes along and, um, you know, is very notable for it using like licensed music like sure. licensed like, chiptune versions yeah i think the ones that stood out were like paranoid by black sabbath and bad to the bone and stuff like that but yeah yeah nice and um that game for a very long time they actually had difficulty it was like one of those games that just fell in out of like release so like when we talk about games that you can no longer commercially get that was one of those games because of that music. Mm. In it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple years ago, um, Blizzard, who owns the rights to that game, uh, put it out as part of a collection. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you played like an emulated version of this. Yeah. Okay. So they put out a collection that actually did some updates. So they like added widescreen support to it and mm-hmm. some other things. Uh, but that was a big deal about like getting the licensed music back into that game. I was going to say, did they have to replace them? Because I'm thinking of like when WKRP in Cincinnati first aired, right. they had yeah. all the real music, but then when they they had to go back and edit in just like generic music because they couldn't keep the rights. That's the reason um, a lot of TV shows, uh, particularly like shows from the era of like the 80s and stuff, like aren't available on streaming or to purchase on DVD or something. It's because Miami Vice is another example of that where they did not have the rights to that music. And now to go back, it's so cost prohibitive to put that back out now and license all the music for it. So um, same with a lot of MTV shows. Mm. It's, it's kind of funny because a lot of MTV shows aren't available on streaming and people get mad about it. And it's like, yeah, you know, like MTV was just using whatever was the most popular music at the time yeah. on episodes of Road Rules. <laughs> and like they cannot afford to go back and license that music now anymore. So um, sorry, we got off track. You talking about no, <laughs> no racing. you talking about the that the bundle. I, I feel like I did see that as I was Googling about it when he had first announced it. And as I was playing it, just sort of looking into it more, I feel like I did see other like I don't know if, you know if you consider it to be like a series of games but that it was connected to other ones so that's cool I, I guess I didn't realize that is it have you played rock and roll racing mm-hmm. is it play similarly to um RC pro am yeah it does okay. I mean because they're both playing from that 
that um, isometric view. Mm -hmm. uh, like it basically is playing from the exact same perspective oh, okay. and everything. Um, I mean, rock and roll racing is a little bit more of an, an advanced game. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different in that. But yeah, there's quite a bit of similarities. Um, I think generally people view RC Pro-Am as the better of the two games, but I don't know how much of that has to do with nostalgia, mm -hmm. looking back at it, because that was like, again, like one of those, like this is the game sure. everyone has for the NES mm -hmm. and plays. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, to go back and play RC Pro-Am today, which is something I have done recently, <laughs> Um, you go back and you play it and you're kind of like, yeah, this is really a whole lot of fun. Also, this game feels incredibly cheap at some point mm -hmm. and um, is incredibly frustrating. And part of it is because of that perspective, right? Like it, it's one of those games of that era where it was very much about memorizing the course. Yeah. Like that's what I noticed as I was playing through it was – because of that perspective, I was like, no, you, this is where you're at on the map. And right. this is, so you need to, I need, it felt like I needed to prepare ahead of times for like where turns were going to be. Or, you know, the first, the first lap is kind of just like figuring out what the course was. And then the second, third and fourth was like really nailing it to either catch back up or, you know, get what I needed to get. So, yeah, but you know, and I, I mentioned it because that before playing it, created a very healthy skepticism of what the experience was going to be, but it ended up playing a lot better than I would have guessed. So good for rock and roll racing to get a non-racing fan uh, or a racing hater even <laughs> to uh, say something relatively positive about your game. Yeah. Um, RC Pro-Am is in that rare collection on uh, Xbox. Oh, cool. I'll have um, to... Look, look into that then. They had to change it because in the original RC Pro-Am, you are collecting the letters to spell out Nintendo on the course. Mm -hmm. And so when they put out that new collection, they changed what you spell out, which I, I forget is some other word that's the same number of letters as Nintendo. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like champion or something like that. I forget what you spell out instead. Um, but yeah, that, that would be a good way to play it. I mean, or you can just... Get a ROM if you want to break the law. <laughs> no, I mean I've got I've got a Game Pass, uh, so I'll, I'll I would definitely look into look into it. But I, I think it's still a fun game. I think both of those are still fun games to play. But like they are very much games you have to kind of look at it, understanding the context in which they were released. Yeah. Right, like going back and playing them now, you, you can very quickly go, why in the world did they make the game look <laughs> this way? Like this is like the worst perspective. Um, and it sort of reminds me of like going back and, you know, looking at um, the play action football series on, um, well, I guess that was both on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And, you know, where at the time football games were either horizontal or vertical in mm -hmm. orientation. And this one's diagonal. Mm. So you see the, a, a diagonal view of the field and everything. And I go back now, I'm like, <laughs> this is a horrible decision. Why did they do this? <laughs> but at the time, it actually kind of worked. Those games were actually pretty decent football games, uh, but like you would never make a football game that was from that perspective today. Yeah, it's it's one that you don't see it very often, but and I guess I feel like when I do see it, I I never expect it to work as well as it does. But when it works well, it works well. I think 
I think a couple of weeks ago I talked about playing Hades and that yeah. also uses that, that isometric perspective and yeah, it, it, it works really well when it works. So you know, I can understand and appreciate, I've, I appreciate it more than I think I ever give it credit for. Yeah. I think isometric as a perspective can be really challenging mm-hmm. and I mean, it has to be the right game and even then, you know, there are certainly limitations and issues with it. Like I love Zaxxon, which is a isometric shooter. It was an arcade game originally. Um, it did get home ports eventually, but I love that game. I think it's a fantastic game. And yet when I go back and I play that game, I'm always reminded, oh yeah, like it's really hard to tell like your height mm-hmm. in this game because it's a isometric shooter but you can move up and down and you have to move up and down to like avoid things and it can be really difficult to like figure out what height am i at right now i think a lot of the uh the handheld tony hawks right used an isometric and i remember playing some of those and i was just like i have no idea where the hell i am yeah (laughs) relative to you know either picking up the skate letters or whatever and so yeah yeah those Game Boy Advance Tony Hawk games were actually really good. Mm-hmm. Like, but yes, the isometric view created problems that the 3D version did not have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, anything else? No, nah, that's basically it. Mostly just those two. Okay. Um, well, since OJ is not here, I will talk about Sea of Stars, <laughs> which <laughs> I kind of wanted OJ to be here to talk about. Um, so I played a little bit of Sea of Stars. Uh, I certainly haven't finished it like OJ has, but um, I, I like what I've played so far. It is very much scratching that itch of 16-bit square role-playing game. Um, so, you know, it very much has that feel of a Secret of Mana or Chrono Trigger. Um, and so, you know, even the art style and everything, it's actually prettier than a 16-bit game so it's really more kind of a 32-bit rpg but it's 32-bit rpg before they all start looking like final fantasy 7 mm-hmm. so maybe more uh a sukaden uh style game or suikaden how i heard somebody pronounce it recently which doesn't sound like it can possibly be right <laughs> but <laughs> maybe it is um but yeah so is it very much in that style of those sort of 16-bit, early 32-bit role-playing games? It's really pretty. Um, I think one of the things that role-playing games, these sort of retro role-playing games uh, that are trying to recapture that feeling, that particular moment that a lot of people had with uh, first getting introduced to role-playing games, one of the things they get wrong quite often is the sort of charm of those games. Like, they can get the mechanics and the looks of the games down pretty easily. But those games were very charming. Yeah. Um, You know, they had that sort of light fantasy um, style down very well. And when you go back and you play some of these modern sort of tribute games to that, they often get that lightheartedness and that whimsy wrong. Yeah, And this game just starts off with a a ton of that and uh, instantly making you very much like the characters, like the world that you're involved in. Um, So it's just charming right out of the gates. And it, you know, 
when uh, OJ was on and said that, you know, it instantly uh, instantly won him over. Like, that's how I feel about it. Like, it's, it just instantly won me over where I want to play more of this game. Um, and so I probably will keep playing it. Um, I have something else I'm going to play here fairly soon, uh, hopefully. But, um, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to spend some more time with this going forward. Um, and so... You know, if you want to hear what OJ, I think last episode OJ talked about finishing that game and kind of general reactions to it. So you can go back and listen to that if you're really interested in it. I think that was two episodes ago because I want to say last episode was almost all Mortal yeah. Kombat. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, so two episodes ago, episode 54. Go listen to that. You should have already listened to it. What am I saying? <laughs> All right, um, that's what we've been playing. So let's move on into the news. And this is... Probably the big story of the week. Uh, Epic Games has announced they are laying off 830 employees. I think they said around 16% of their total staff. Uh, Two-thirds of that 830 employees are outside of core development. So uh, what I read was, you know, this is going to be much more people in your marketing and PR and those sorts of positions, not actual game development but that still leaves a third of them in game development and core development, right? Yeah. So this is not to say that we're just getting rid of the communication people. Blah. Um, this is we're also getting rid of some of the people who are actually making the games. Um, before we get into the rest of this, I will note that uh, before the podcast began, um, <laughs> excuse me, Mario, you pointed out that they have noted they are giving these employees getting laid off six months of severance. Um, so severance being pay, but also additionally health care for those six months. So that is a positive spin on this, you know, as much as you can view getting laid off positively in any way. Right. Yeah. yeah that's why I was like, I don't want to silver lining this thing, right. but, but that is a silver lining. It's not a, it's not a great situation, but it is a silver lining that's like, okay, it could be so much worse. That doesn't mean it's good right now. But it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, you know, six months is enough maybe for people to find their footing, hopefully, mm-hmm. we hope. Um, obviously, um, obviously, our, our hearts are with the people who have lost their jobs, right? Like, this is always yeah. uh, quite sad to see somebody lose their job. Um, let's see. As part of this, they're divesting ownership of Bandcamp and Super Awesome. So uh, Bandcamp is a uh, music distribution platform that they purchased, which people thought was going to be integrated some way into Fortnite. Um, that Remember, they also own Harmonix now. So they own the original you know, creators of uh, Rock Band. <laughs> and so people thought that this might tie into that also in some way. And come to find out, it's having nothing to do with anything. They're just getting rid of it. And uh, Super Awesome, as far as I could tell, is some sort of marketing company um, that particularly targeted youth. So you can kind of understand the reasoning there and how that ties in with particularly Fortnite. But they are also getting rid of that. Um, They are prioritizing work on the new season of Fortnite. And also they're Delmar and Juno projects, um, which are rumored to be a car racing mode for Fortnite and a Fortnite and Lego collaboration. 
Um, so Del Mar, the car racing, and uh, Juno, the Fortnite and Lego collaboration. Um, so I assume the Fortnite Lego collaboration is something in game and not like, hey, we're going to make Fortnite Legos. I imagine there already are Fortnite Legos, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, this has apparently particularly hit uh, Mediatonic uh, particularly hard. They are the makers of Fall Guys. Um, they did put out a statement saying, hey, we are still working on Fall Guys. We're still going to support Fall Guys. Um, but, you know, it's important to understand, like, Epic Games did buy up a lot of these kind of smaller publishers. So they bought up the makers of Fall Guys. They bought up the makers of Rocket League. And, you know, when they start laying off people, that can also mean as part of those studios, which understandably would worry people who are big fans of those games. Um, you know, I, I, I was kind of looking at this story and... Um, you know, a little context and background for Epic Games is, you know, Epic Games, obviously part of their business is the Unreal Engine. That's where Epic grew out of is making the, you know, Unreal and then licensing that engine out. And then they've really made most of their money off of Fortnite when Fortnite just blew up and became the biggest game in the world mm -hmm. yeah. seemingly overnight. And, um, they took a lot of that money they made off of Fortnite and then put it into buying things like Mediatonic and making buying the makers of, um, of Rocket League. I forget their name offhand. Um, and I'm sorry. Do you know, do they also own or did they buy the company that, was it Voyaho or something like the ones that make uh, Genshin Impact and Honkai? Because I know at least they're, I feel like it on PC those are exclusively through the Epic store. No, I, I don't think so. Unless they have, they might have some investment. Okay. Um, or actually the company that makes those games might have an investment. It might mm -hmm. be one of those, like one of those, one of those Chinese companies like NetEase or something mm -hmm. does have an investment in mm -hmm. Epic games. Okay. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that works. Um, but then part of what they did with all that money they made is they created the Epic Games store. So yep. speaking of which, um, on PC, and they really have invested a lot of money to make that a competitor to Steam, which has included giving away free games every week for like the past three plus years mm -hmm. of that service. So every week you can log on to the Epic Game Store and get like one or two free PC games. And this has not just been like little no-name uh, indie games. This has included some very big uh, releases and everything that they've included as part of this. And I have on my uh, Epic Game Store account some 200-plus free games, but I don't have a single game that I've actually bought. So my point being, I think a lot of people have taken these free games, and every time somebody takes one of those free games, it costs them money. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people have bought games on that, and I feel like the Epic Games Store has been kind of a disaster for Epic. And it was sort of their move to like channel all the you know, everybody has a Fortnite account, people are spending money on Fortnite. Surely, if they're spending money on Fortnite, they'll take some of that money and spend it on other games. And that that 
you know, looking at this and looking at their financial situation, they said, Hey, we are spending more money than we're actually making. Um, it kind of feels like, you know, this is one of those albatrosses around their neck. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be willing to say that my Epic account is basically the same thing. I don't know if I've ever bought a game on Epic, but I don't think I have 200, but probably 60 to 70 games that, yeah, I just, whenever Thursday rolls around, oh, okay, see what new games there are. If it's one that sounds interesting, I'll get it. If it's not, I might pass on it, but, uh, you know, there are games that certainly I would have never looked at if it weren't because they were just giving it away. Yeah, and, you know, like, um, the other thing to think about with Epic is, of course, they've been part of this, uh, involved in this lawsuit with Apple. Uh, where they were suing Apple to get Apple to open up their app store. Um, you know, they w- want to uh, create their own app store. Um, as part of this, they have <laughs> purposely antagonized Apple <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, added their own payments into Fortnite, which led to Apple banning Fortnite from the app store. Mm. Um, and so now Fortnite hasn't been on the on Apple products for like a couple of years, I think. Mm. Dang. And um, there's still, you know, this lawsuit is still ongoing and everything. I feel like here you have a company that had a huge success. And like a lot of these companies do, they kind of have spread themselves thin with, we're going to create our own game store. We're going to sue the biggest private company in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, or biggest publicly traded company, I guess I should say. Um, and we're going to acquire these smaller studios and then kind of not do a whole lot with them, like Fall Guys and Rocket League. Um, and, you know, again, like I, I can't tell you the number of people I've heard who say, oh, Rocket League, that looks interesting. Where can I get it? Oh, it's on the Epic Game Store. It's not on Steam? No. Okay. Um, I just won't play it. Yeah. I think, the you know, the one that, may have brought them i am sure it brought them some some amount was i believe the kingdom hearts games are only available on epic yeah. for pc and so like i know i had friends buy those but yeah i don't i don't know what else you would necessarily go there for aside from those very specific ones of rocket league or fall guys or whatever i oh. say i downloaded the epic store for like a day to try out Fall Guys, and then, you know, I don't have a gaming PC. I don't have great internet, so mm. just trying to play it was a disaster. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm uninstalling this now because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I need space on my computer. Well, you know, like, Fall Guys is a really good game. Yeah. I, Rocket I League is a really good game. I love watching my friends play Fall Guys. It's on the Switch. Yeah. I guess that you would still do need the internet for that, but... Yeah. You can come to campus and play it. <laughs> True. Um. But like you were asking, had there been other things? Let's go ahead and jump down to another news item here, <laughs> which is that Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater 1 and 2, this is the total remake of Tony Hawk 1 and 2 that came out a couple of years ago exclusively on PC on the Epic Game Store. So part of what they were doing on the Epic Game Store too is they were buying exclusivity for a lot of these games. So Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 was one of those. They bought a, at least a year exclusivity. I don't think it was any more than a year. But then it just never came to Steam after that. They announced this week that Tony Hawk's 1 and 2 is coming to Steam on October 3rd. 
So, um, yeah, when you talk about um, Kingdom Hearts and uh, several of these games, a lot of these was were, excuse me, um, Epic Games going out and writing a big check to companies and saying, hey, put this out on our platform for six months or a year exclusively, uh, and then you can put it wherever you want. I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw this in, like, our rundown, uh, that Tony Hawk 1 and 2 coming to Steam, my first assumption was, Oh, I, I didn't. I thought it was just now coming to PC. I didn't even realize it was I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's coming to PC. Yeah. So there's the problem, right? Yeah. And I didn't even realize Kingdom Hearts was on the Epic Games yeah. store. And like, that's that's my childhood right there. Sure. <laughs> and it, it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, well, how much money have they blown on these exclusivity deals mm-hmm. alone, right? And I think part of um, the lawsuits that have been going on and everything with Apple, some of that has come out, how much they're spending on these exclusivity deals. Um, And to their credit, uh, we should say that one good thing that has come out of this is that um, they have offered lower uh, uh, split share with developers. So on Steam, when you sell a game, generally... Steam has taken a 30% cut of the sale of that game. So that is the, that's the standard really that um, it, it goes back to uh, what Steam has been doing for a long time, but it really goes back to what Apple started with iTunes. Mm. So Apple started the, we'll take a 30% cut of everything you sell digitally. Um, Steam and other platforms, you know, Switch and uh, Xbox and PlayStation have kept this up. And then when Epic entered to get more developers to come and put games on the Epic Game Store, they said, hey, uh, we're only going to take, I think it's 12% that they take, um, and you get the rest. And, in fact, just recently they announced a deal where, hey, you get 100% for the first six months if you release exclusively onto the Epic Game Store. We won't take any cut for the first six months. Um, and, you know, like all of this is money. <laughs> say, sure. Be- being better human beings, but terrible pr- business practice, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like m- maybe they could do this business practice if they were in a more competitive position, mm-hmm. right? Like Microsoft could maybe get away with this versus Sony. Yeah, but Epic is at such a disadvantage, and I think we're seeing the outcome of this, which is that they're bleeding a lot of money, um, despite all the money that Fortnite is bringing in. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting about the story to me is it makes me wonder what is the current state of Fortnite because yeah. none of these games stay at that level of popularity forever. Yeah. I know somebody's going to like write in and say, what about RuneScape? But like RuneScape's not as popular as it once was. I I can't imagine. Um, So I feel like, you know, at some point Fortnite starts to wane. What do you, you know, what do you have? And obviously a lot of this was them trying to invest in the future, but it feels like a lot of these investments haven't panned out for them Mm -hmm. that they hoped. Um. You also have to wonder how much more successful would Fortnite be if it was available on Steam. So. Sure. Um, let's see. Moving on. Uh, Jim Ryan is retiring from PlayStation coming this March. 
that will be after 30 years. So um, the top dog at PlayStation is stepping aside. Dang. So it could be uh, potentially interesting. Could, you know, be a new, um, could mark a new shift in their strategies and everything. Um, you know, I think a lot of people feel PlayStation has become slightly stale recently. Um, not as exciting, not doing as interesting stuff as Microsoft is doing. Um, they feel like they're kind of playing catch up when it comes to like, you know, Game Pass and porting their games to PC and everything. Obviously, PlayStation's getting better about that. We're seeing more PlayStation games come to PC. Um, you know, they're certainly behind in cloud gaming compared to Xbox. So, you know, it kind of um, makes you wonder if the next person who steps into that position will be somebody who is more proactive in those areas. It's, it's interesting that you say that because I, I would not have, have said that. Um, but I think you're, you're right that technologically, if that's the right word, um, Sony is, is behind. But I think in terms of like the games that they're putting out, that those like that is they're like kind of crushing it in terms of the actual games that they're releasing, you know, that those are doing incredibly well. I'd say the, so- uh, the Sony president hasn't had to apologize for a good game being <laughs> released on the system. Um, not but, recently, yeah. at least. <laughs> but that—that that is, it's a, it is an interesting perspective, and it's not one that I, I would have considered. Maybe it's just because it's not one that I put all that much weight into. But mm-hmm. it, it is, it is a direction that I imagine, you know, they care a lot about. And I'll, I'll be interested because I know it was probably talked about a few months ago at this point, maybe the beginning of the summer when they did the showcase, right? Yeah. That was at the beginning of the summer. And it came out that something like 60% of their funding are going to games as a service. Is that right? Um, I, I don't know if it's 60%, but it was a significant part, okay. right? They uh, have like 12 different games as service games in development. Yeah. And so I think that that will also be interesting to see how like where they start like you know certain the avenues that they they invest into because you know sony has done so well through these like narrative heavy adventure games right whether you consider that to be like the last of us or the two most recent god of wars or uncharted spider-man exactly exactly um final fantasy remake and so yeah i'll be interested it'll it i think yeah it I'll, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say other well, than it'll be interesting because beyond that, it's speculation, I guess. But Yeah, so um, I feel like it's it's hard to speculate until we know who will be taking over. Yeah, because, because it's... So, I'm sorry, Alicia. Um, to think about where in this aspect, yeah, we have fallen behind compared to Microsoft, but in this aspect of like the games we're actually re- that we're actually releasing... I think you could fairly say that they're far ahead of where Microsoft is at. And so um, when it comes to market share, they're definitely ahead. Yeah. When it comes to getting a, a fairly regular s- stream of these sort of, uh, as you noted, these big triple A blockbuster Marvel style movie games out there, right? Mm-hmm. That get people's attention, get people to come to yeah, the system. Game of the year right. contenders, right? Um, they are, are certainly 
they're certainly hitting that stride much better than Microsoft has been the last couple of years. Um, you know, and certainly I, I think Microsoft is enviable of their position in a lot of regards when it comes to all of that. But the flip side to that is, you know, again, they do feel like they've been kind of resting on their laurels mm-hmm. um, and have not, you know, been um, as proactive in some of these new areas. And so you do kind of wonder, um, you know, you've like the the fortunes of game companies turn so quickly, mm-hmm. right? We went sure. from the PlayStation 2 to the PlayStation 3. We went from the Xbox 360 to uh, the Xbox One. We went from the Wii to the Wii U, <laughs> where we had incredibly, insanely successful consoles followed by, at best, mediocre. Sure. Um, and, you know, you kind of, they've been successful, PlayStation 4 successful, PlayStation 5 successful, but you do kind of wonder, like, is Microsoft in a better position for the next generation? Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I, I'm, whoever takes over is going to be coming in, you know, right when they're really kicking off thinking about that next generation, sure. I would imagine. Sure. Yeah. So. Because um, what what was it? Last, it was last week we talked about um, all those Xbox documents yeah. leaking, right. right? And they their sort of timeline has a new console. Was it 2028? Yep. So you imagine, and then, you know, the PS5 and the series series uh, for Xbox came out right about the same-ish time. Right. So you you imagine they're probably on a similar trajectory. And so, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, it's probably the big question to that they'll be considering. So, yeah. like I said. What's that, your vision for the PS6? No, I, I just, I appreciate, you know, that perspective, Justin, because it's not the one, it's not the one that I would have initially taken it it was now they're way ahead in terms of like the games that they are, are releasing but you know there's certainly a number of other factors that should be considered as well yeah and you're absolutely right they they currently are in those areas mm-hmm. way ahead right like we've talked extensively on this podcast about <laughs> microsoft's troubles in uh, particular areas um so we're we're not trying to undersell playstation <laughs> sure. in any way We'll get like the PlayStation fanboys <laughs> mad at us. Um, let's see. F Zero ninety nine is adding five new tracks today. Uh, those five new I have not checked. I assume those are <laughs> out now and available. Uh, this is cool that they're gonna maybe keep adding tracks to this so fast too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I have still not played it, but I have friends who really enjoyed it. Who who really enjoy it. And it seems like you you really enjoyed it when you said you had, I don't know if you've played any more of it, but a little. I know you were yeah. you were seemingly really positive about it as well. Yeah, I didn't really have anything under what you're playing new to say about it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's a that's just a really fun game. I mean, F Zero was already a really fun game, and this is built off of that. This plays like the original F Zero, other than there being 99 cars on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know. If you like the original F-Zero, I love the original F-Zero, um, then I feel like this is very, um, you know, very easy to recommend to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and adding more tracks is just, you know, like, hey, fantastic. This doesn't seem yeah. like it's probably too difficult 
to add more tracks to. Yeah. Uh, those tracks aren't, you know, you're not having to build original assets or anything for those mm-hmm. tracks because they're basically all like, um, they basically all look the same other than some different colors. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Super Nintendo after all. Um, you get is, some variety now. This isn't like <laughs> Mario Kart 8, right? Where you're having to build out like huge assets to make a new track. Um, so it does seem like it's fairly easy for them to add new tracks to that, even if they're just based off of tracks from the original game. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, again, like Nintendo, um, Nintendo just does stuff like that. <laughs> Like, this is the reason I love Nintendo. Nintendo occasionally just does stuff like this, and you're like, that's so cool, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo, you keep being weird like you are, because <laughs> occasionally you do something super cool like this. <laughs> and we'll put up with all the other weirdness stuff that you do, like trickling out the uh, the online virtual console games, and we'll deal with, like, your weird cadence of releases. Like we're going to release a Mario game and then not another one for another 10 years. Like, fine. We'll deal with, ev- what is it? Everybody plays one, two. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, everybody switch one, two. Yeah. yeah we'll deal with that. Yeah. Like, yes. Your weird horse head game. Like you feel like, you know, what it is, is Nintendo is the weird art student. Where you're like, oh, that's a really weird project. Like, Nintendo, no. Like, you've been saving your toenail clippings and, like, (laughs) making statues out of them. That's weird, Nintendo. And then, you know, the next time you go to one of Nintendo's shows, they're like, hey, I'm performing uh, music that I recorded from crickets. And you're like, oh, this is a bad idea. And then you hear it and you're like, this sounds amazing, Nintendo. And you're like, yeah, you just keep being weird like you are because <laughs> occasionally we're going to have something amazing to talk about with you. Um, so, yeah, so much of Nintendo really, honestly, just still reminds me of Sega at its best. And I think I talked mm-hmm. about this recently on the podcast, mm-hmm. the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast at its best was Sega just being as weird as it wanted to be. Yeah, I think that was our post, post-podcast conversation oh, was last it? week. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and Nintendo keeps doing that, right? Like they are the Sega of the Dreamcast era now. They're the one company out there that has the money to go do something weird, and you're like, yeah, good for you. <laughs> Even when it fails, we're glad you're trying. Yep. <laughs> um, and this is good because this is Nintendo not being super conservative, which they have been at times before. This mm-hmm. is Nintendo trying some fun stuff. Uh. Do you know how to pronounce this next name? Hideki Kamiya would yeah. be my guess. Hideki Kamiya. Okay, I knew Hideki. Or I didn't know. Kamiya. It, I didn't know the last name. How to pronounce it? Okay, uh, I'm sure I've heard this pronounced at some point, but I wasn't sure. Uh, anyways, Hideki Kamiya is leaving Platinum Games. He is one of the co-founders of the company. Before that, he uh, has worked on Resident Evil 2, Devil May Cry, Okami, Beautiful Joe, Bayonetta, and Astral Chain. So this is like one of those people, like if you don't know the name, and obviously I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but uh, I did know he was, you know, the guy there working on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. This is an all-timer, right? He has one of those fantastic track records where just about every game I listed off there, minus maybe Astral Chain, is considered a classic mm-hmm. at this point. Um, he's leaving, um, and I think a lot of people are, you know, 
certainly looking at it like, well, that really hurts platinum gains, but also super excited what he might be doing next. I was going to say, do we know, is he like starting a new studio or do we have any idea? It's just, he's leaving. As far as I know, there's no word yet on what he's doing next. Uh, Jim Ryan is retiring, he says. So he's out for good. Um, But Hideki Kamiya is apparently, um, he did not say he was retiring. So the implication is he will work on something. something. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Devil May Cry, they announced an anime series is in the works at Netflix. This is by Adi Adi Shankar, uh, who did the uh, Castlevania series for Netflix. So if you like that uh, Castlevania anime series on Netflix, they're doing a Devil May Cry series next. Um, Well, after Castlevania Nocturne. Yes. Isn't (laughs) isn't that out? Um, I thought it just came out. I know they released the first seven minutes of the first episode. Uh, Maybe that's what I... On YouTube. I was going to say, I I feel like I saw people tweeting about it, but it might be... Yeah, that, whatever that. I feel. I feel like it comes out early things. October, so that makes sense. Halloween. Yeah, so very soon would be my guess. I don't actually remember the release date off the top of my head. I ended up really liking that first season of the Castlevania anime, and then I just never went back and watched it anymore, which was really weird. Season one and two were both really good. Season three was. Uh, it was the Simon's Quest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then se- season four was also pretty good. But yeah. se- season three made some choices. I did the same thing. I watched the first season, enjoyed it, and have just never gotten back to it, even though I did really enjoy it. I mean, yeah. honestly. That just happens with shows, though. Yeah. Honestly, you could you could go back and watch one, two, and four and like just skip three because at the end of the day, the things that happen in th- season three – don't even really matter <laughs> to season four, uh, okay. which is a choice because they did some really big things in season three. <laughs> but, huh? Well, I may go back at some point, someday when I have Netflix again. I yeah. currently do not have Netflix, so <laughs> there you go. Um, let's see. Sega has canceled their game Hyenas. Um, so this was announced. As a pretty big project, it's been in beta testing, and they just came out and announced, we're canceling this. We're not actually releasing this game. Um, This was a um, games-as-a-service game. It was a multiplayer shooter. I feel like this is a long tradition of these sorts of games. People are, hey, we're going to put out this free-to-play shooter, and then, hey, nobody's interested in our free-to-play shooter would it maybe make sense to kill this thing before we actually spend the money of fully launching it? And seems like that's been Sega's decision with this. Uh, games as a service comes out, turns out it's much harder to break into than everyone seems to think it is. <laughs> Speaking of uh, PlayStation mm-hmm. developing their 12 projects, yeah. uh, at least they seem to know like, Hey, most of these are probably going to fail. <laughs> Let's hope we can get one or two of these to be successful out of 12. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe that's what it is, is, is they're just, I wouldn't be, I, it was one of the things that when, when it all came out, it was, I was, you know, listening to y'all do the podcast and then there were other podcasts. I don't remember if it was talked about here or elsewhere, but you know, maybe it just really is that shotgun approach of we're going to release 10 of them. And if one of them hits, if one of them could be half as successful as Fortnite, 
Right. That's game changing for yeah. us. Oh, I think that's got to be their strategy. I mean, yeah. I, I think there's no, because even when you think about it, if they release 12 of these, there's no, there's no market for 12 of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's one thing that we have found out about these games is there's not that big of a market for people to play the same game every day. Especially if they're all these sorts of shooter right. types of games. You know, I, I know, yeah. I know I talked about it when it must've been the episode whenever it got shut down, but it was like rumble verse the, the wrestling oh, yeah. BR is like, at least it was doing something different. Like there's a different way of engaging with this game as compared to uh, PUBG or Fortnite or and any of these other types of battle royale types of games. Absolutely. But, I know, agree. That one also was doing something different and I never played it, but I watched people play it and it looked fun for the most part. But those games just, I think, have a very rapid rise and fall if that rise ever happens yeah yeah i mean um apex legends the word has been that their numbers have started to drop off mm. right and that game was incredibly successful that's one of the most successful of these uh you know games as a service and you know they're just you can count on one hand how many of these games are currently have any sort of broad audience now i know they're very niche games out mm-hmm. there um but, you know, when you're talking about, like, um, actually have a, a wide audience base enough to make this worthwhile for a company the size of Sony or Sega to continue to support these, there's just not a ton of those. And I think, yeah, if, if those games don't find that audience right away, right, like, they're almost really... we. I think if you think of these games as service, you have to think of them almost like TV shows, appearing on uh, the fall television schedule on one of the broadcast networks, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't find that audience by your second or third episode, nowadays they just cancel you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to let you hang around for a season or two and let you build that audience up. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing with these game companies, the same sort of kind of uh, cut your losses now sure, and move on. Well, and, and I mean, I know I just talked about Rumbleverse, but what we just talked about beforehand was Nintendo is doing that, right? With like the F-Zero 99, mm. the Pac-Man 99 is they're getting into this area, but they're doing so, one, with an IP people already have some amount of nostalgia and care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing something that fits the trend of games where it's like the Battle Royale. I don't think it's as popular as it was you know, three to five years ago. Sure. But it's a style of game that's, there's like a very, there's a time limit on it, right? You're not like entering into this game, like I need two hours to actually, it's like 90, 30 minutes, if that, um, to be able to enjoy this experience. And so I think that like that pick up and play where I don't need all this time investment is the, it makes sense why, why so many companies are are trying to get into it. But Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, your your question ultimately becomes when when you're making a game like this, you know, and I guess like what do I know, of course, but I imagine the big question has to be what are we doing different than Fortnite? Like how yeah. how if if that is like the pinnacle of this type of game, right? How do we financially at least? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. How do we 
either, you know, not only does it take players away from it, because I imagine the Fortnite players are going to play Fortnite. Um, you know, they are probably going to have like a dedicated fan base, probably still for a while, even if the general numbers have dropped off. That game's yeah. not going away in the next year. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how do we differentiate ourselves? You know, and it, it's it's the same question that I feel like every types of person in the arts or creative endeavor, you know, comes to is like somebody nailed it. How do we do something that like emulates but still differentiates as as well? And um, so it'll be yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what um, comes from this. Well, I think like you said too, ha- having it having it connected to an IP that people already know makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like hearing that Sega cancels hyenas, I'm like, my first thought with that is the hyenas from Lion King. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> it, it's, it's Whoopi Goldberg. It's yeah. a whole game about her. Yeah. That's what I, was, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I have never even heard of this game. Like, are you, are you playing as hyenas? Yeah. <laughs> Versus like, F zero ninety nine. You know, I never played in any of the F zero games, but I know F zero, and that alone is enough to make me be like, oh yeah, like I'll give it a shot. Sure. Or something. Right. Or Pac Man. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers thirty five. Right. Like yeah, those known properties, and also yeah, it's like you get people to give it a shot, and then that's how, you, and then you do something different to get them hooked. Yeah. But. Yeah, and I think the difference matters, right? Because. Yeah. Nintendo's not out there making a Battle Royale shooter. They're out there making a Battle Royale racing game, a Battle Royale puzzle game, a Battle Royale platformer, right? They are doing something different with that known IP, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, as you know, Rumbleverse was trying to do something different. And so, you know, I was kind of sad when they failed because, hey, like, I I want people who are doing different stuff to be successful because that's good for the industry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, so hyenas, uh, well, we talked way more about hyenas than I thought. We <laughs> <did>. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, they, uh, had a big show for the rollout of the MetaQuest three. Um, so the pre-orders are now available. They start at $500, um, which is more than the MetaQuest two cost. Um, that's a lot of money. Well, so much money. It's not a lot of money compared to, say, the PlayStation VR 2, which is $550, plus you have to have a PlayStation 5. So it's like $1,000 for that uh, setup. This is all-inclusive, but it's still $500. Yeah. Right? And $500 is still a lot of money compared to, uh, you know, a Switch that you can get for $300 or you know, a, um, a, a series S you can get for, you know, quite often down near $200 now with sales. Um, so yeah, it's like P- PSVR two is bad with a capital B. This is still bad. Lowercase B, but still, uh, and I just don't know if that many people are still into VR in the same way. Like VR is really cool but I don't hear people talking about it the same way they were two or three years ago. And when I say people, I mean like your average person on the street who's not super into video games, right? Like yeah. Sandy has not talked to me about <laughs> VR recently. And I say that cause she has in the past. Sure. And, but she hasn't brought it up recently at all. And so I just wonder if, 
you know, like releasing a very expensive version of this today when maybe what we really need is a very cheap version of it. Yeah. Uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Um, they did also announce as part of this that Xbox Cloud Gaming is coming to uh, coming to the MetaQuest, so you will be able to stream uh, Xbox Cloud games into your headset so that you're playing them within your headset, which is cool. Um, makes me wonder how far they are from just letting you interact with Xbox games using a MetaQuest headset. Um, this was also like... This is not on a rundown, but like this is also at the same time that uh, Microsoft and Meta are getting chummy with each other, and they're going to start integrating Bing Search into um, into Meta or into Facebook in some fashion. I'm sorry. I say, is MetaQuest the same Facebook Meta? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was the Oculus until they renamed. Okay. And now they're. I didn't realize that was the same. The same I didn't thing. either. I just. Why? Microsoft, just let Bing go. It's like Hotmail. It's just cringe. <laughs> Apparently, they tried to sell Bing to Apple a couple of years ago, and Apple was like, no, no, thanks. We don't want to buy it, which I think is is very funny. Um, That's awesome. But, I mean, like, it, the point being that... It's completely harmless. It's just funny. <laughs> The point being that Microsoft and Meta, which is Facebook, right, like um, are maybe building closer ties and you could maybe see a future where Microsoft says, hey, we don't have our own VR headset, but Meta makes one. And if you mm -hmm. buy that, you can play VR games, you know, through your Xbox, play more like high powered, visually uh, impressive games and everything. Is that or is it the minute we're done with, we're, the minute we're finally done hearing about the Microsoft Activision deal. It's going to be the Microsoft Meta deal. <laughs> uh, I don't. I, I don't think anybody thinks that deal would get approved <laughs> at the moment. What is the other headset? Because I guess I was thinking like, oh, the MetaQuest, like the competition was the Oculus, but that's the same thing. But I know there's was it Vive. Yeah. Okay. So the HTC Vive okay. um, was the big one that was um, normally associated with Steam. Okay. Um, it's not owned by Steam. Steam actually does make a headset um, called the uh, Valve Index. Okay. Um, but Steam is really sort of open to any headset. Sure. Is meant to work with it. Mm -hmm. So um, you can actually use a MetaQuest headset with the Steam. Um, with the Steam. The Steam. <laughs> with Steam. Um Let's see. Um, so we had really good news this week with the Writers Guild ending their strike. Um, the Screen Actors Guild is still having their strike ongoing, though there is positive news that they will potentially be meeting next week. And with the writer's strike done, they can use that as a framework to like build their deal and maybe get a deal completed. But while all this is going on, SAG-AFTRA is uh, voting to authorize a strike against the video game industry. This does not mean they are on strike. They're still negotiating. They vote to authorize, which basically says, hey, if we, if we set a deadline and we, you know, our deal, we can't get a deal uh, worked out, 
our membership has said, yes, we will go on strike against the video game industry. Um, you know, which this whole idea of SAG-AFTRA striking against the video game industry, there's part of my brain that still thinks back to like 25 years ago when PlayStation games were getting like these no-name actors like from local community theater to come in and yeah. like star in their full motion video cutscenes. But that has not been the video game industry for a while. Mm -hmm. The video game industry uses like, you know, um, not always like, uh, you know, big A-list star name actors, but they're using like very well-trained, you know, actors with a an IMDb page with multiple entries on it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so this would hurt the video game industry. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, and just thinking about like, there are, you know, very established voice actors, you know, who mm -hmm. even if they're not recognizable names for the average person, like, yeah, very established, you know, actors. In the game who, industry, exactly, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, yeah, this, when I was reading about it, like, that's a, that's certainly a big deal. Yeah, I mean, Troy Baker is a SAG-AFTRA member, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Like, this means no more Troy Baker, which means, like, no Sony games, I guess. <laughs> He's, like, in every Sony game. Where's the lie, though? Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, this would be uh, Jennifer Hell is a, you know, SAG-AFTRA member. I'm fairly positive. <laughs> um, is Charles Martinet? Like, I know yeah. he just retired from being Mario, but... Yeah, I'm sure he is, because he's done stuff outside of the Mario games, and he's yeah. done voice acting and, like, cartoons and other stuff. So, yeah, I would imagine he has a SAG card. Um, I mean, I, I guess I don't actually know 100%, but, you know... But I feel like it would make sense for him yeah. to... Most of these people, when you start looking now, like, that's what I mean. Like, these are real actors. This isn't we're getting Jill from accounting. Like, hey, Jill, mm -hmm. like, during your lunch break, you come down and record a couple lines from for us. This is them going out and hiring, you know, at the minimum, professional voice actors. Yeah. These are people you go and you look at their credit page, and it's like, oh, they were a voice actor on My Little Pony. They were a voice actor on, you know, Bluey or some other mm -hmm. kid's show, right? Like, they have a background, yeah. And that's not at all what actors in video games used to be. It used to be the developers themselves or, you know, friends or family coming in and doing voices. Um, you know, so that this would be very harmful to the game industry um, for this strike to happen. But, you know, we have talked about abuse in the game industry. Yeah. We yeah. have talked about neglect in the game industry. And so it, it would hurt, but it would be growing pains. Yeah, I think it, it is, you know, these actors deserve to get paid. They deserve to get compensated. Um, and, you know, certainly if if the game industry wants to continue to grow and they want actors who can commit to working in video games, then those actors have to get paid a fair living wage. Yeah. And so, you know, we obviously, uh, we support the union in this case, Um Get those people paid in a fair deal. Um, let's see. Sony is offering a free game with the purchase of a PlayStation 5 by October 20th. If you buy a PlayStation 5 by October 20th, um, there is a list of first-party games that included things like the aforementioned God of War Ragnarok, the um, um, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Spider-Man Remastered, 
Um, you know, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, basically all their big first-party games. Uh, you can pick one of those for free. Uh, I'm assuming this is a digital download. Um, but still, that's pretty cool. If you yeah. were thinking about getting a PlayStation this Christmas, go ahead and get it now. <laughs> basically what Sony is saying. Yeah. Dang it, Sony, couldn't you do this closer to Christmas when I have money? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll bring it back for like February or something like that. Dare I dream? Post post Christmas. Well, they do have cards. They do have that uh, Spider Man PlayStation coming out. So I assume that comes with a, a copy of the game, like a digital download of the game. I would imagine. I would like to think that there's yeah a bundle thing. But I, I don't I, think a bundle. I don't think it would be a free copy of the game. But I, it's a Spider Man themed PlayStation Five. So, like, it it has the spider on it and everything. So, I don't know, because Nintendo has gone to now where Nintendo does not include a copy of the game. If you buy the Zelda-themed uh, Switch, it does not have a copy of Zelda with it, which is weird. That's true. They did. They announced the Mario Switch. Right. And it's just a Mario Switch. I don't think yeah. it's not going to come with Wonder or anything like that. D- does that... Not come with a choice. I think that comes with a choice oh, of a Mario game. Oh, okay. But, but not Wonder. Okay. It's like a, you, one of the older games. Like okay. Yeah. Uh, but they have released several Switches that didn't. I think mm. the Animal Crossing Switch didn't come with Animal Crossing. Mm. So I think they did a, like a Let's Go, a Pokemon Let's Go Switch that did not come with Let's Go Pikachu or Eevee. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, I it, might be misremembering. They but, did do a Pokemon Switch, I know. Yeah. yeah. So... Well, I know they did a Scarlet and Violet one that did not come with Scarlet okay. Vi- or Violet. Yeah, so I, I don't know about the the PlayStation Five. I do feel like um, I, I do feel like more and more consoles are coming with like a digital download, um, though not Nintendo consoles because Nintendo is notoriously cheap. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Nintendo, for your wackiness, but we hate you for your greed. <laughs> Yep. So what I'm seeing really quick is that there's a Spider-Man 2 PS5, and mm-hmm. it's a bundle that looks like it comes with the game. Okay. But it costs It, it costs, costs $600, though. Yeah. 600 So you're not really getting the game for free. Uh, so, yeah, it's a... This bundle includes a PS5 console with limited edition console covers, a limited edition DualSense wireless controller... A voucher for the digital copy of the game and pre-order incentive items. I don't know what pre-order incentive items means. Free but. temporary tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, six hundred dollars. So basically, you figure if it's sixty or seventy dollars for Spider-Man Two, yeah, seventy. Um, you're you're, you're, you're thirty you're, bucks for it to be a pretty PS Five yeah, and yeah, the, seventy the, for the game. The skin, basically, for the console and the controller yeah that that doesn't seem like a good deal buy a regular playstation 5 for 500 and then get the game for 70 dollars. you're getting out cheaper who cares about the pretty skin on it yeah um they were selling that bundle they had with uh horizons um they were selling that at 500 for a while so Mm -hmm. you did get basically a game free with the playstation um that's was the new, then that's the new one I assume I guess yeah you're talking about the yeah. PlayStation Five yeah, one yeah. Um, Horizons um, Lost something Forbidden West okay yeah 
Yeah. I, I know. The, those are titles <laughs> that are impossible to get in. Horizon Zero Dawn is the first one, and yeah. then I can never remember the second one. And then there's that VR one I, I can't remember the name of. It's Call of the Mountain. Maybe? I don't know. It's Heck something like that. Yeah. It's something like that. I don't think it's Call of the Mountain, but it's close. Okay. <laughs> Call of the Mountain sounds too normal. <laughs> it's got to be weirder than that. Um. Let's see. Uh, our final news item here is that they there's a class action lawsuit uh, shaping up against Aspire and Saber over the Knights of the Old Republic 2 that came to the Switch that never came with the DLC um, that was supposed to um, add in the extra elements of the game that were originally cut. So Knights of the Old Republic 2 gets released originally. It is an unfinished game when it gets released. It does not have all the completed quest in it and everything. Um, years later, people went back on Steam and added that as a uh, as a patch that you could download, and it would like add in the extra content that was originally cut from the game because of time. When they announced this game for the Switch, the port, they said, "Hey." Next year, we're going to put out a patch that's going to add in this extra content, just like you would get on Switch. Why mm-hmm. would you wait a whole year? Well, it, it might not have been a full year. It was something like six why, to nine why months. Why would you not just do the whole game in <laughs> one go? Ah. This is a fair question to ask. <laughs> and this probably should have been everybody's first red flag. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it missed that release date. And then they finally came out, uh, I believe it was just this year, and said, hey, we're just never putting that out. So forget it. We are going to give you a free code where you can get one of these other games. Uh, others, I think it was all Star Wars games. You can get one of these other games by us, or you can get a code for Steam uh, for Knights of the Old Republic 2 so that you can download it on Steam and download the patch and play the mm-hmm. full game. Um, so, you know, they did try to make good on it and everything. People are now trying to get together a class action lawsuit against them because of course they are. Oh, um, man. this is one of those self-inflicted wounds that game developers do sometimes where, you know, again, Alicia's point that she very quickly picked up on, why do you just put out the full game at release? Well, and it, we're know, all asking that. Even, even, you know, when... When things are rushed out, that that is still a problem. But that is that is different from we had the broken game and we had the full game, and then it's going to be a couple of years before we move anything to Switch. But we're not going to move the full game to Switch. <laughs> like who who made these decisions? I just want to talk. <laughs> I I guess what I would say is I do think a lot of times these these choices are made with the best of intentions. Somebody is making this choice and saying, hey, we're putting this out and we're going to do this really cool thing, right? And we don't have it ready yet, but we're going to eventually get to it and we're going to put it out because we're going to do something really cool for the fans. And then for whatever reason, like financial, like, you know, whether it's a staffing issue, but like it's a self-inflicted wound. Yeah, no. And and I get that with like some DLC, like, you know, if... If the Teal Mask DLC couldn't come out for some reason. Right. 
like Scarlet and Violet was still a com- were still complete games without them. Yeah. <laughs> but like you had the complete game on Steam. <laughs> Why would you not just uh I yeah. just want I just want to talk to whoever made this decision. I just want to talk. <laughs> and I don't know if there's technical reasons, right? Like maybe there's some technical reason that See at the, and at that point originally. I would at that point I would be less sympathetic and be like no don't don't release a, the broken game. Yeah. But that's you know me being a gamer not wanting to play a broken game. <laughs> you need to stop using logic. <laughs> stop being logical about this. Be wildly emotional instead. <laughs> And, and then oh, sue them. <laughs> um, that does it for news for the week. Um, so let's move on to our big question. And our big question is, it's National Coffee Day. Alicia, uh, Mario, are you big coffee drinkers? No. I cannot drink coffee. Okay, the- that's really weird. None of us drink coffee? <laughs> <laughs> well, because here's the thing. The smell of coffee makes my sister feel sick. And... Uh. I go home often enough, you know, not that I go home super often. I go home like twice a year, but if, if I were to go home and I've seen coffee drinkers without their coffee, mm-hmm. if I went home and couldn't drink my coffee, if, uh, if I was a coffee drinker, but couldn't because of it making my sister feel sick, that would just be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, if you... If you have family that it literally makes sick, I think that's a good reason not to drink yeah. coffee. Also, I save a lot of money that way. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll drink it on occasion. Um, but like the, the caffeine just hits a little too hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I might, I, you know, if I have to think about it, but I never do like maybe do more of more decaf, um, so that it hits less hard. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's never, I, you know, my mom, is a big coffee drinker, but she always, uh, she's a big iced tea drinker as well. So iced tea is something that I will drink. And I'm also just not a big hot beverages person to begin with as well. So sure, iced coffees is usually the way I would always go. But so no, not, not really much of a coffee drinker. So uh, I also don't drink coffee. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I generally don't drink caffeine at all. Mm-hmm. Like I don't drink much soda except Occasionally when I'm at the movies, mm-hmm. I'll get a Coke with popcorn. Uh, but that's like it. And if I go to a movie at night, I'm not going to sleep that night. Sure. <laughs> so I have to go to movies like early in the morning. <laughs> so I'm not up all day uh, and all night. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's just something I just never really got into. Um, but we can still talk about coffee or we can spin it and talk about the concept of coffee and apply it to video games. <laughs> that caffeine hitting so hard. Yeah, so that caffeine hits hard, and we want to know what gameplay element hits hard for you. Gives you that jolt like a good cup of coffee does in the morning and everything to wake you up. Uh, so what gives you that jolt of excitement in a game? So gameplay element, you know, something like um, when it happens in a game, like you're like really excited and all of a sudden, so like... Not my pick, but one I, I think of is games where you have to escape at the end of the game, mm. where, like, the world is blowing up or the base is blowing up, and, like, you have to run back out the way you came in and everything or escape through the back. Um, you know, I was thinking of those kind of elements that really kind of excite you, and as soon as you see that in a game, you're like, all right, cool. Like, I always like this. This is always a good way to play. Um, so, Alicia, why don't we start with you? 
I think for me, when you get, especially when you were not expecting to get hit with a song with lyrics in the game. Yeah, yeah. And, like, whether that's a oh shit moment, like when One Winged Angel comes on, or <laughs> or it's, I, rem- I remember just the extreme hype of the first time that my sister and I played Sonic Adventure 2, like <laughs> not only having Escape from the City, okay, look, you can, you can bash a lot about the Sonic games, but you can never bash the music in any Sonic game. Oh, well, the Sonic, I mean, Sonic Adventure 2. Escape from the City and Live and Learn are very good songs. Yeah. And Pumpkin Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Ni- neither of them are as incredible. Uh, you would know it. Is it Sonic? It was a DS game. It was like Sonic Rush. Oh, yeah. Sonic Rush. Like that. Oh, that was it's, a good game. The game interpolates a Malcolm X speech into one of the songs. It's so good. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> There's a, there's a, Are you the, sure that's not a fever dream? <laughs> <laughs> it's the song. There's a Malcolm X speech in a Sonic yeah, game. Yeah, so it's it's whatever the famous speech is where he talks about I, um, I re- like the I black of the coffee, the more bitter, something like that. And so the name of the song is like darker than black, and uh, what? it interpolates part <laughs> of that speech into the song. I wish y'all could see actually Justin's face right incredible. now. <laughs> the song is so good. <laughs> I wish y'all could see Justin's face right now. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, how did I not know this? How have I never heard of this? We'll that play, sounds we'll insane. It, we'll play it for you after. Yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, like the minute that Escape from the City starts and the minute when you're fighting the final boss and Live and Learn comes in, like yeah, yeah. just the those moments of hype, just incredible. Versus, again, you get the oh shit of like when One Winged Angel starts and you're mm-hmm. like, this still isn't done. He's still, Sephiroth is still <laughs> going and now, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> so def- definitely for me, I think if, if, if you kick in a song with lyrics that matches the mood you're trying to get. Yeah, it, it, when you bring up that, I always think of... Um, the ending to Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Mm. Um, and that has a song. Like, yeah. That has amazing music throughout. It's an amazing song that does not fit the game at all. <laughs> no, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like super sappy ballad. <laughs> yeah, but like that makes it amazing because it, like it feels like a big Hollywood movie that you've yeah. gone to the end of. And like it feels like a big Hollywood movie in the 90s back when they used to like get some pop star to record a song so they could yeah. put out an album and that would be like cross promotion and yeah. everything for the movie. So you end up with movies and you know, like um, you, you'd end yeah. up with like Congo and they would be like, here's Gloria Estefan, like doing the like <laughs> theme from Congo. And you're like, what? Like that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. The songs that I will always think of in terms of like, Songs with lyrics in games are the uh, was it intro and, and conclusion of the Kingdom Hearts, the <gasps> Utadi Karu songs. Yeah, simple and clean. Still makes like it came on shuffle on my playlist the other day, and I had to stop everything I was doing <laughs> and just listen to it because I was just like, "This is everything." I'm gonna listen to this ridiculous song here we'll, for a second. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll play. It. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll play it on the podcast. Yeah, Let me listen to okay. it. And make sure I got the right thing first. It's uh, it's the line. It, it came. It's called. It's 
Uh, too black, too strong. <laughs> we're just dead air right now. Oh, okay. Oh. I thought that you were going dead air that way we that way you could insert the song. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't have it so we can insert the song yet. That's oh. why I was trying to, like, listen to it and actually <laughs> cue it up. But I don't know that I can actually get it queued up at the moment. <laughs> uh, well, apologies for the dead air. <laughs> um, you make it the intro song this week. Yeah. Go. Well, you know. People that that won't be confusing at all when people start listening. They're like, what the hell is this? Did I not click on the right podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what podcast am I listening to? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it always Every time I think of something like that, I think of the film Take Shelter with Michael Shannon. And when I saw that, I saw it in a little, um, a little like a um, art theater in uh, in Indiana, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so it's a little tiny theater in this building. And there's, um, I'm setting like kind of up in the middle of the movie and everything. And there's a woman in the very back. And about 15 minutes into the movie, the woman just says. Out loud, everyone in the theater hears her. She goes, what kind of movie is this? <laughs> and of course, this is a very serious movie. It's not a comedy in any way. And everybody in the theater just burst out laughing. <laughs> there was a, 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 it got memed. I think it was probably memed on Tumblr. I don't remember what the movie is, but it's like, the context was this old couple was sitting behind the person who was talking about it, whatever the movie watching, and the person, the the wife leans over to their husband and just says, they're lesbians, Harold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever the guy's they're name is. No, it is Harold. Uh, they're lesbians, Harold. <laughs> and so it just, it yeah, it got yeah. very memed. So oh my those gosh. moments, there's just like the genuine moments, and it sounds like this one for your movie theater experience is yeah, very good. Yeah, you go to enough movies, you get really <laughs> weird interactions. It was, um, I, I posted this on Facebook at the time, but I went to see Cocaine Bear earlier oh, this yeah. year. Yeah. And I was alone in the theater until two little old women who <laughs> were definitely in their 70s <laughs> come in and sit down like near the front of the theater. And they're sitting there, and I'm just thinking, these women aren't in the right theater. Like, <laughs> like they're surely not here for cocaine bear. And before the movie begins, they play a trailer for the new scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the two women go, at, as that trailer ends, the one turns to another and says, not for me. <laughs> and I just think, Oh my God, scream is more like, you know, kind of mainstream than cocaine bear. <laughs> like, did these women just see the word bear? And I'm like, I, I like gentle Ben. I'll go see this. <laughs> and then like they're and then the movie starts and if you've seen Cocaine Bear, it's like, you know, you should be able to tell from the title. It's a completely over the top, like sort of horror film of some degree, more gross out film. And um these two little ladies are up there just laughing their asses off through the whole film. <laughs> that was like, delightful. Yeah, of course, my reaction was just like, good for you. <laughs> but also, like, you're put off by Scream. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, yeah, you just never know what to expect. So, Harold, they're lesbians, was someone going to see Car- the movie Carol at one twenty in the afternoon on a Friday. But it was probably 85% old people, old tech couples. And halfway through the movie, this old lady in front of me turned to the old dude next to her and just said, Harold, they're lesbians. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask, was it Carol? <laughs> Because I, I showed that film at the film series when I used to do the film series at a previous university, and um, <laughs> and I had an old man come up to me the next week, and he says, you know, that film you showed last week, I did not think I was going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that turned out to be a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what tipped you off that you might not like it in the trailer? <laughs> the What's fact- his name, Harold? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not know, but how amazing would it have been? We're going to say I should have yes. just lied and told you, yes, his name was Harold. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say yes. Uh, Harold, be thy name. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but... Yeah, it was, um, <laughs> we are completely off track from whatever we were talking about. We're back to movie talk. <laughs> we were on song, video game songs with lyrics, and somehow we got to Harold, they're lesbians. <laughs> See what OJ misses. <laughs> we're just going to email this directly to OJ. <laughs> you just need to listen. This whole extended section after we go silent for a minute. (laughs) Then everything goes off the tracks. It's all all Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog, you've done it again. It's all Sonic and Malcolm X's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Troublemakers. Uh, All right. Um, So, so Mario. What element gives you a jolt in a game? So we've talked about, I know I've talked about it. A lot of my um, interests in communication and studies are with games and community. And so I watch a lot of friends play games and we do a lot of these events as I've talked about. And so one of the things I, I really enjoy both in playing it and watching people is when it becomes clear that there's not one answer to like solving a puzzle or playing through the game. And so when I know I've had my experience and I'm now watching somebody else have their experience and they are drastically different, that to me is one of the most fun things. You know, I know people talked about it a lot with like when Breath of the Wild came out, Mm -hmm. that there is no right way to solve one of the shrines. You could do it a number of different ways. And I, I think that is always very exciting for me when it comes about. Yeah. Which is something they kind of leaned even more into with, um, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that is always exciting. I mean, that sort of emergent gameplay, like, you know, that, hey, here's a task, you know, tackle this one of 10, 20 different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, Red Faction Guerrilla is like one of my favorite games ever, I think. And that's one of the reasons I love that game is because, you know, Hey, you have to destroy this base. Okay, well, you can go in the front gate firing, or you can, like, 
hijack a truck and drive a truck through the base, or you can set, you know, explosives on a truck and send that in and mm-hmm. have it blow up. And there's all these different ways to sort of tackle it, which, you know, make that uh, game quite enjoyable. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so I already kind of blew a really good answer when I said, like, when you have to escape a level and everything. <laughs> um, but I was thinking... Um, one of my favorite games of all time, Super Metroid, actually contains both of these elements. So the escaping at the end, um, but it also includes revisiting mm-hmm. a, a, an old game or an old part of the game, right? So if you haven't played Super Metroid, this is not really a spoiler. It's like the first two minutes of the game. Uh, but you start off that game by revisiting the end of the original Metroid. Mm-hmm. And so it's... It looks like the original Metroid, but it's all sort of like uh, destroyed and desolate and everything. Um, and I just think that's really cool in games. You know, it doesn't happen all that often. Um, certainly, uh, Castlevania has done that at times. So, um, what is a man? A miserable <laughs> little pile of secrets. <laughs> yeah. So the beginning of Symphony of the Night kind of like goes back and does that. Uh, Rondo of Blood, which is the prequel to Symphony of the Night um, actually has you go through the town from Castlevania 2, except it's on fire now mm. and burning down, but it's the, it's very uh, recognizably the town from Castlevania 2, uh, Simon's Quest, and then um, the Zelda games have kind of played around with this, with their kind of you know made-up uh, chronology and everything, <laughs> but there are certainly callbacks where you kind of wander into an area and you're like, hey, this is like from Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always think that's cool as, you know, like I, I think it could feel cheap as like a nostalgia trick, but I think it's always cool to, like what do video games allow you to do? They allow you to explore and then they're adding this sort of, chronology to the game saying hey this definitely takes place after this game or Mm -hmm. after this part and so this world is persistent and you can re-explore you know this part of the world that at one point was super important for you as a player and now it's very different and you can like see how it's changed and everything Um, and i think that's just a really fun thing that they often do in those games um All right, that does it uh, for this week's episode. Um, We will, uh, we're just going to have to start our own movie podcast (laughs) at some point and then not talk about the movies at all. We'll just talk about everything surrounding the movies (laughs) and the experience of going. Um, But I do want to thank Alicia and Mario for joining me. Of course, you can always find more information, old podcasts, and other things at salukigames.com. And of course, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, um, go listen to that Sonic Rush soundtrack.